You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here from the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar in the game today. Go to BiltBar.com today to check out all the flavors available. Before we get going on today's show, I want you guys to know uh, I left my cord for my mic in D.C. So this is why the audio quality is like this. It will get resolved in the next day or two. Hopefully by Tuesday, we will have a pretty standard audio quality. So I apologize for a dip here in the next day or two. Uh, but yes, that, that is happening on the show today. Max Raymond and I break down a sweep. The Nationals get a sweep over the Orioles. We break it all down here next. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here from the Locked On Nationals podcast. Joining me today is Max Raymond of District On Deck. And Max, we're all over the place. We're both working this weekend. We're missing chords. Uh, if anybody hears me, I sound different because... I was in D.C. this weekend. I might have lost my my uh, microphone cord. But besides that, you know, despite whatever other stuff we got going on, we get, we got a podcast because this is a huge weekend for the Nationals. And I saw a tweet from Jesse uh, Doherty talking about a Washington Post saying, with the exception of Will Harris, now today or whenever it was, you know, yeah, today, May 23rd, he said the Nationals really, you know, truly, I mean, they have a healthy team, right? Like they – they, I mean, their team, for the most part, is healthy. This is what the roster will look like. And, look, they beat the Orioles in three games. But we did get a good look at what a healthy Nationals team is capable of. And at the very least, that's beating up on bad competition. Get the brooms out, man. Get the brooms out. Sweeps a sweep, even if it is the Orioles. I mean, look, the Orioles threw everything that at us and – we handled it fine. I get they're not a good team, but you have to beat good teams to get back into the season. And this was a great test from having Strasburg back on Friday to the early hole yesterday and then to today's madness. Missed today's game, but last night that one was a back and forth roller coaster. Back, yeah. And I mean, the team was up to it. Josh Bell's hitting, recorded his first three hit game as in that. Um, the bullpen is lights out. Daniel Hudson is all the way back. Will Harris is struggling with injury, which is unfortunate. Robles got hurt. But then you have the other guy step up. Schwarber's been pounding the ball. Josh Harrison single-handedly put the team on his back on Saturday to keep us in it. Brian Zerman is still raking off the bench. And this is what you have to do. You have to beat the bad teams. And now you move forward. And now we have a series against – who do we get? The Reds? Uh, yeah, I believe they are going to play. Uh, I'm I'm putting the schedule right now. Once again, if you're a DC sports fan right now, your mind is in several different places. They've got the Reds for three and Milwaukee for three, so those are all part of a of a homestand. And I think what's important here, you know, as we kind of look back at this weekend on Friday night, you and I talked about how they were being really cautious with how they were bringing along Steven Strasburg because he's such a valuable asset to them. Right? They've got so much tied up and invested in Steven Strasburg. So it's really important for them to get him back to a place where he's fully healthy before they, they get him out there. And you even saw there was some caution when they started them. But for Stras, a really nice start, five innings, one hit, 
four walks, four Ks, 72 pitches, a solid start for him. And we know Martinez trusts at least certain guys in this bullpen very much. And he said, all right, we got him to a point that we like. We've made progress here. There's no reason to leave him in, right? And they pulled him. And I thought he did pretty well. I think all things considered, a pretty good start for Strauss. Quick pause for the cause. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Wellfront. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it actually to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders actually beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it very easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com backslash LockedOnMLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com slash LockedOnMLB to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com backslash, or excuse me, slash Locked On MLB to get started today. Today's Locked On uh, Nationals podcast is also brought to you by Locker Room. You guys know the deal. Go to Locker Room today and download the app for iOS or Android and join in on the conversation, y'all. It's, it's a lot of fun. We have a great time there on Locker Room. It's the perfect place to join people like me. Other people who are in, you know, into sports just like you are. It's pretty easy to download. Following me is pretty easy. Tons of rooms for every sport you can imagine. Go check it out at the Locker Room app on iOS or for Android. I mean, one of the biggest takeaways is from the series for me is Strasburg. I missed his start on Friday. Unfortunately, I got home and he was already out of the game. Before I heard, he only gave up, what, two hits, one hit? One hit. Yeah, the, the walks were really the problem. It was the four walks. I mean, those don't have a dangerous lineup, but they still have some studs, uh, mm-hmm. particularly Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini. Uh, Santa there was back up by L. That dude can right. make. And they have Nationals killer Markel Franco. That guy always murders us. So, like, they got some guys in there. And Freddie Galvez is turning into, like, a monster against us. So, while they, they have some tough outs in that lineup, while Strasburg was walking people, his strikeouts weren't there yet. He... Kept the zeros on the board, which is huge with Corbin still up and down, less they're not being able to get it right yet. Fetty on the COVID list and then Ross up and down. You need another guy behind Scherzer to throw zeros. This is what you got. Sucks that we had to wait two, three weeks for his return. But it was worth it. And now we got to take baby steps. Yeah. And when I tell you know, and when I talk about you know situations where um, you know, situations where the team is fully healthy. I mean, there's always a couple exceptions, right? How many teams, once you're 40 games in, are fully healthy? I mean, a very few. Yeah, so when we t- you know, talk about that, yeah, yeah, there are a couple of exceptions. But at this point, with these guys back, Eric Fetty is now the sixth guy, right? I think, I mean, depending on how you look at it, but like, I think Joe Ross, to me, is still their fifth. I know you could argue Fetty's pitched better, but, I mean, they've got 
Um, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Lester, who's been – we'll get to Lester in a second. And, and then uh, Joe Ross. They're all available. They're all healthy. So even, you know, they're in a place where now, yeah, the, the injuries are happening, but they're at a full-strength team, right, that they can kind of deal with one injury or two injuries. Not the amount they had to start off the season, but I, I think that's something to look forward to as well. And also, I think a, a big point of this game was the Nats have had some moments of individual power this season, right? Schwarber, Bell, uh, Trey Turner's had a bunch of moments of individual brilliance, right? I think, I think Ryan Zerman's had some times where he's gotten on base and nobody can drive him in. I thought the big story of the first game is the fact that they dro- they drove guys in. Look how they score all the runners. It's a Schwarber double, a Harrison single, a Soto single, uh, a Josh Bell single, right? So they, they used, they used, you know, normal means. They, 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 they kept the line moving. They hit the runners in scoring position to generate their runs. And that to me was big. Five for 15 with runners in scoring position, you know, five, 15, hey, you didn't do it 10 times. No, but, that's 333 with guys in scoring position. That will get it done. That, and that, in my opinion, they left 12 on base, sure. But this is not a team that this year we've seen hit with runners in scoring position. And they finally did it on Friday night, I thought. And then they kept it going. Uh, right. On Saturday, they were 6 for 14 with runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. Zim went 2 for 2. Lester 0 for 1. But Lester had a really good 9-10 pitch at bat where he made the pitcher work. Castro 0 for 2. And then Harrison, oh, one for two, Turner, one for one, Schwarber, Soto. And that's what you need. You need your middle line, lineup guys, the top of the order guys who hadn't been able to do it yet, finally come through. We, we all know that we lead the National League in batting average. We all know how good we are at getting on base, getting runners on. This was our first grand slam of the season. Before Josh Harrison hit that on Saturday, I believe we had already given up six compared to having zero. Right. And – that was a big problem of our struggles. And now we have three good wins. The momentum's going forward. We're 20 and 23, still under 500, but already doing better than the last two seasons around this time of the year. Granted, different situations. We're healthy, as you said, and that is huge. And it's finally looks like the COVID guys are finally – they're finally playing like the way they should be. Josh Bell and Kosh Wilber, their batting averages aren't pretty but they're up significantly over the last right. two weeks and from what they started. Josh Harrison started hot, struggled, and he now he's hitting over 300 again. He had another two-hit game today, the Grand Slam last night. Um, sucks that Robles is out because he was finally hitting the ball. But yeah, he was. Star- and then you have Starlin Castro, who he went over for today, but he's been hitting the ball well also. So your middle of the lineup guys are finally coming through. And Soto's not being walked as much. And Soto is allowed, is actually being pitched to, which is humongous and helps us win baseball games. Right. And, and for, you know, Robles, they don't know how long he'll be out for, but it seems like he's improving. He's moving towards a spot where he can play. And obviously they've got a guy named Stevenson. They do like somewhat. Let's get to that Saturday game. So this thing was, I mean, it looked like it was out of hand early, right? The Nats uh, fell behind six to one in this game. And that's because we got a Ryan Mountcastle grand slam uh, after a Freddie Galvis double that made it five, nothing. And then Jan Gomes drives in a run bottom. Of the second Severino drives in one in the bottom of the, uh, the top of the third. And then Josh Harrison with the lift, the nationals needed gets that grand slam. And to me, to me, the biggest part about this max was the fact that it came with two outs, 
I don't know what the numbers are this year, but for anybody that's watched the Nationals knows that they've had a lot of situations this year where it's either second and third, first and third, bases loaded even. And a lot of times it's been two outs. To see them come through this way with two outs and have it be a guy like a Josh Harrison, that was the kind of – we've been saying all season long, those are the kinds of players that the Nationals make the playoffs. It's going to be because guys like those step up and get it done. And, I mean, I can't say enough about the job that he has done this season, especially the Nats. We know those are the thin days. There was a lot of Yadiel Hernandez and Josh Josh Harrison being the main two guys. To have him step up in this kind of a way, you just can't – you can't state how important it is. I agree. Um, and then on Saturday – I was interested to see how they pulled him. I mean, I get that they want to do double switch and keep Stevenson in the lineup, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I would have kept him in that game because he single-handedly kept the team afloat while they were struggling, got him back in tight or helped them get on the board. And then you're taking the one certified bat out of the lineup that you knew had been raking all day. So I was just a little, not like upset, but just a little confused by that move. And I get he wanted to do double switch. And I get having uh, Harrison in center field is not ideal because that's not his position. But he was moving well and he was hidden. So I was a little sad to see him get a, leave the game early, but I was glad to see him back today. Were you surprised last night that the Nationals, uh, on, on Saturday night at least, were you surprised that they brought in Brad And I, I know the top of the eighth. Pat Vallega drives in a run, and, and you know, it ends up being a, a, a three-run game. Just using the last night, though, you know, I mean, actually, I, here's a better question. Were you more surprised they used him on Saturday or Sunday? Because they used him both days. He, he's, he got three straight days of work. So did Hudson, which does not make me happy. Yeah. Um, today. Yesterday made sense. You know, he's been blowing a few saves. Friday night he comes in. He gives up that homer, makes it a four-to-two game. And then you have a three-run lead. You have, you need this guy to get back right. You have somewhat of a cushion. It was a Trevor Trevor Rosenthal um, situation all over again, 19, where you need this guy to get right, and you have to put him in at some point. So gave him a three-run lead, and he protected and did well. And then today, yeah, Dave was just like, yeah, whatever, go three days in a row with a one-run lead. That's the one that surprised me the most. One, it was just three days in a row. And two, it was a one-run lead in the – in a very tightly contested baseball game. Yeah, and here's what I will say, too. is Now, Brad Hand has talked about the mentality of a reliever and being able to say, hey, I love the fact that as a relief pitcher, you get to get back up on the horse, metaphorically speaking, right? You get to get back out there the next day. Now, I don't know if he meant it like this, right? <laughs> you get out there three straight days, but he, he did get tested. And let's kind of flip it to Sunday now. What I like is this is Saturday's stat line for Jorge Lopez. Five innings, seven hits, two earned runs, three Ks. Then on Sunday, you go to the uh, stat line of one Bruce Zimmerman. He goes three innings, seven hits, five earned runs, one walk. You flip it forward then to Sunday. All right, you go up against Matt Harvey, who we're all very much familiar with. 4.2 innings pitched. Nine hits, six runs, one walk. So the big point here is, you know, they didn't let uh, fledgling, struggling pitchers do well against them, right? Like and no they've been doing it in the beginning of the year. 
Right. And that's the, the, the you know, the, they were, they were easy out sometimes, right. You know, they, they could be had. They did a good job of jumping on all of these guys and helping out starting pitching because today, look, man, for, I mean, for Patrick Corbin, the hit numbers are what concerned me. We'll get to that in a second. But the fact that they jumped on these guys and look, if you watch the broadcasts, Dan Colco, Bob Carpenter, uh, now Justin Maxwell, is, is that's right. Justin Maxwell. Is that yeah. Yeah. Justin Maxwell are all harping on early offense, right? They're talking about the Nats getting that early offense so they can give themselves somewhat of a cushion and not put themselves behind the eight ball immediately. Another thing that we lucked out in this series was that one Mr. John Means was not on the mound for Baltimore. Yes. That guy is absolutely filthy. And then it's funny. After we swept him, I, I thought to myself, I was like, and we just like our bats when I came alive, we took advantage of bad pitching. I wish we kind of faced him just to see how we could have done against Nace. Mm-hmm. But we definitely caught a humongous break with him not in that game because he, he he's like Scherzer. He will steal a game out of a series that you're not supposed to. If you're supposed to get swept, he will make sure you don't get swept. Like he steals games like that. And it's probably a good thing with our guys struggling that they didn't face a guy like that and they were able to build the morale up by beating the Zimmermans and the Harveys and Lopez, you said? Was that the first pitcher? Jorge Lopez, yeah. Yeah, so they were able to beat up on guys like that because John Means definitely would have crushed their confidence. Yeah, John Means has been awesome. I actually talked to the um, – I was talking the other day with uh, with Connor Newcomb, who's a locked-on Orioles guy, and, we, and I asked him, I said, you know, big conversation around John Means, is he an ace? And he said, yeah, and I agree. I mean, I think John Means at this point, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's nice that they, that they weren't able to uh, they weren't able to see him. Today's game was really interesting because the Nats, uh, once again, put themselves in an early deficit. Um, they were down in this game, three runs in the first inning. They come back and they give four of their own, thanks to Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, and Alex Avila, right? Um, I, heard, I heard he had two hits today. He did have two hits today. He knocked one down the right line, right field line as well. So it was good to see that. And Trey Turner had a sack fly. It drove him in, made it 5-4. Stevenson drew a walk in a bases loaded spot, which made it 6-4. You wish you got a little more there. They did not. In the seventh, Trey Mancini drove in a run, but the Nats bullpen held steady. And I, look, I wouldn't say it was a lights out weekend for everybody involved, right? It's not what I would say, but uh, the bullpen was tasked this weekend with having to work a good amount. John Lester didn't make it through six. None, none of the starters made it through six, right? So when none of those guys made it through six, the fact that you didn't have a starter go six innings and you won all three baseball games tells me a couple things. Number one, your offense came to play. And number two, your bullpen was up to the task of responding and putting up enough zeros to win. And one guy we have to highlight, Max. Daniel Hudson is on fire right now. There is no doubt that Huddy is the best guy in that bullpen. And I think, you know, asking you as a Nationals fan, which guy are you most confident with coming out of the pen right now? It's got to be Hudson. And it's funny, dude. Um, I'm an ODU alum, Hudson's ODU alum, so I like him even more than most people right. on the team. I there love that guy. His ERA is a 1.06, if I right. uh, read that correctly. Yep. He, I mean, like, I there's not much that you can say about him that you just don't see on, like, just by watching the games. Like, yeah, he, he comes in. He has an up-and-down career as a starter in his career. Tommy John surgeries, arm injuries, whole shebang, doesn't know if he's going to continue. Doesn't even get picked up in 2019. Uh, doesn't make it 
through the whoever he was with for spring training gets cut. I think it was the Angels, not positive. Signs of Toronto, three ERA, trades to us, turns into a monster. Was terrible last year. Injuries, overuse from the 2019 World Series, and also the fact that it wasn't a normal spring training, up and down, up and down with the COVID year. You put that aside. You give him a full offseason to mentally prepare, get himself rested. You know, they had an even longer offseason because we didn't make the playoffs. And he has looked like that 2019 trade acquisition. His All his pitches are moving. His stuff is up. It is just filthy. And he is fired up. And he's single-handedly with while Tanner Rainey has struggled and Will Harris has struggled and Brad Hand is refining himself and the other guys, he's single-handedly kept his bullpen afloat. Mile, I'm terrified because this does remind me of 2018, 2019, Sean Doolittle, and I do not want that to happen. Yeah, you, you don't want that to happen at all. I 100% agree with you. Now, the a couple of things, a couple of notes here, right? We kind of touched on some of the injuries. One guy I would mention is, is Will Harris is dealing with that right-hand inflammation. And he said he's learned how to pitch with it, but now it's, it's getting to the point where I'm not sure if he can. So they've got to work on a way to either sit him down long-term like maybe, you know, he might need a little longer stand on the I.L. or figure out a way for him to deal with it while he pitches, right? Because when he mentioned that, when he talked about how he's learning to deal with his hand, you know, basically becoming inflamed while he pitches, that was a huge red flag for me. I was like, that must be really challenging. And, and I don't know if anybody really trusts him in any high, high leverage spots right now. So you really just hope that he can get back and he can take his time because – I think at this point, it's pretty solid. The four guys that I think – the four guys I know for a fact that, that Davey really trusts right now in the back end are Wander Suero, Kyle Finnegan, which you just shook your head. Wander Suero, Kyle Finnegan, Brad Hand, and Daniel Hudson. Those are your four right now, right? Those are the four guys that I think, let's be honest, look, you, you can say whether or not you trust them the most, but I think it's pretty clear with the usage, Davey definitely trusts them the most. No one will ever trust Juan Luisero as much as Dave Barcanas. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> his um, usage but, rate, his usage rate with Davey is is incredibly high. And uh, plus, that's especially if you count all the times he's warmed up in the bullpen and not pitched. <laughs> like it's insane. Uh, the guys on Nats Twitter, the beat reporters, they have a Juan Luisero count whenever he warms up. I forgot who it was. It might be Todd Dibus. It might be Mark Zuckerman. Maybe uh, Jesse. One of those guys. They have a uh, count for every time that he warms up in the bullpen. Um, big cow Spangin guy. I loved him last year. He struggled at times this year, but like so yeah. is everyone. Another guy I know that Davey doesn't trust as much. I've been really impressed with. I, I really hope he gets a few more chances to be thrown in that group is uh, Sam Clay. One more pause for the cause on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at betonline.ag. Whether it be MLB, NHL, NBA, UFC, boxing, horse racing, uh, betonline.ag as you covered. Go to betonline.ag today on your tablet, your iPhone, your computer. You make an account. It's free. Use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, and you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus with your deposit. So if you guys deposit $50, give you an extra $25. If you deposit $100, give you an extra $50, and so on and so forth. Once again, that's promo code locked on at betonline.ag, guys. Bet online, they are definitely your online sportsbook experts. 
nice to have a lefty, right? Another lefty they can trust besides Brad Hand, because that's something we talked about is not having enough lefties. Sam Clay now becomes because you know Brad's locked into that closer spot. So if you want a lefty to throw in there in the middle of the game, you've got nobody else besides Sam Clay. So I, I do, I think you're right. Austin Voth last couple outings not as great, but still. His job is to eat a couple innings and hold the fort down. He's done an okay job of that. So I'm not too mad at him yet. And I, I like the fact that he's adjusting to that role of the pen because I think that I think he can stay there for long term in Major League Baseball at that spot because right now he's not a starting pitcher. No, not at all. And I think he he might not be happy with that, but he might be starting to realize that because before this last week, he had been lights out and doing two, three innings at a time, mm-hmm. just keeping teams, the team in games. Just going to town, doing his job. And, yeah, he struggled yesterday. But as you said, he didn't let the the ship sink, and he still kept the lead when, yeah, he gave up a run or two. What was it, solo shot or two-run shot yesterday? Uh, I'm forgetting. Yeah, was there, I think it might have been a solo homer. Yeah, because he gave up a homer to uh, Anthony Santander. Yeah. Um, I just don't remember if he gave up anything else. Um yeah, yesterday it was only one run. It was a home run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not that bad. Like, if for a guy that's supposed to pitch two to three innings and he only gives up one run, like, yeah, you want to see zeros. That's what everyone wants to see. But I'm not going to be upset if he comes in two, three innings and he gives up one run, especially when the, everyone else before him is the ball's been flying. The ball was flying yesterday. You cannot hold that against him. There was so flying. Many it was flying all weekend, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, when the ball was flying like that in that park, you're happy if your guy goes three innings and only gives up one run. Or two yeah. innings, whatever it was. Yeah, and I, look, I think he's, you're in the point now, too. You know, he, he's pitched 21 and two-thirds innings this year. And his ERA is, is 2.49, and he's coming out of the pen. Yeah. So, you know, he's approaching – I mean, he's, he's already in double-digit um, appearances. I'm trying to see uh, – how many, let's see how many it is this year. He's, he's made 15 appearances this year, and his ERA is at 2.49. That's pretty good. That's pretty good when you're making yeah. that many appearances. So the sample size is now big enough. Now the uh, Nationals uh, – go ahead. So, no, you go ahead because it's a question for later. Go ahead. All right. Um, just kind of turning towards, you know, the end, yeah, the end of the weekend here. I mean, I think the National East, say the Nets, are having a, a you know better stretch, especially the back teams. Braves have won three in a row. Marlins have won back-to-back. The Nets have won three in a row. And so the Nets are now at – Oh, the, I mean, the Mets are, you know, I'm not sure if you're paying attention, but the Mets are They're playing a hurt. They are they playing are. a triple-A team. They are playing a triple-A team in Major League Baseball. They look like us to start the season. but I believe the injuries. only two players that are actual opening day guys, like like not on the roster opening day, but like opening day starters right now, are James McCann and Lindor, right? Their entire outfield was wiped out, no Davis. Uh, well, Dominic Smith's there, so I guess three maybe. But, you know, they're missing Nimmo. They're missing, uh, you know, they're Comporto. missing Porto. They're missing Davis, Alonzo, Alonzo. They're missing McNeil. They're missing starting pitching. You know, so I mean, they are all kinds of banged up right now, and they're treading water, which is impressive. But this is another this is opportunity, an opportunity that you can go and catch them. The Nats are only two and a half. Look, they're twenty and twenty-three. They're two and a half games out of first place in the division. Not a far climb. And all you have to do is just once and once again. And I'm not sure how you thought about it this weekend, but after that Friday night win, Max, I was like, the Nets need a sweep here. The Nets, the Nets need a sweep because they can do it. And they, I mean, like you can't let those opportunities go by. You know what I mean? 
And I, I like the fact they came from behind twice against me. I said the same thing. And then we immediately gave up five runs on Saturday. And I was like, damn, I really had to open my mouth. And then they were able to battle back. <laughs> I was because I had no faith they were coming back down five out right. after they playing all year. And then they proved me wrong. I was like, cool. And then they did it again today. I was like, sweet. All right. This is something that, yeah, get this out of the way now. Do it against bad teams so you can start doing it against mediocre teams. Then you start doing it against good teams because that's how it is. You got those bad teams. Now we have the Reds, mediocre teams. Then you have the Brewers. They're super hurt and they're still really freaking good. Big, yeah. big fan of the Brew Crew this year. Um, what was your question you were going to ask before we wrap up? Oh, so with the whole pitching and like our bullpen having only four or five like sure thing guys. And now we have a plethora of starters. Who do you want in the bullpen? Ross or Fetty? This is a difficult one, right? Cause I, so, cause each of them have had their, had their moments this season. Yeah. I feel like right now, if you had to pick the hotter hand, Fetty's Eric, hot. Eric Fetty's hotter. Right. His last start was that seven inning, sh- uh, seven shutout innings. Yeah, I mean, I, he's he is the guy. And then you go back to his start. I mean, I'm not sure how long ago it was. Start against Toronto was really good too, right? He had start against you know against the Jays that was really strong, mm-hmm. and that wasn't that long ago. Uh, you know, it was a few weeks ago, but still wasn't like it was uh, you know super a super long time ago. So I, I feel like if you're to pick a guy right now, it's it's Eric Fetty. But with that being said, I mean that. You know, I don't know because it sounded like before the season started, Joe Ross was tabbed as the guy. Yeah. So, you know, you, you look so far uh, this month and Fetty is pitching, you know, the last four starts he's made. I mean, I, I think he's been really solid. That's five starts, to be honest, even though he hasn't won a bunch of them. Um, I think he's been solid. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he puts them in positions to win games. You know what I mean? I mean, he's – I mean, five five innings of three runs is putting them into positions to win games. The Phillies start – or the Braves start wasn't great, but – Five innings, three runs against the Phillies is fine. That should keep you in the game, right? Um, he had that six innings, two hits, uh, one run against the uh, against Toronto. He had the one bad game against the Mets, right? But that was that was a game where it didn't matter because Degrom went crazy. So it's tough. I would say hot hand is Fetty, but I think they end up going with Joe Ross because they kind of tabbed him at the end of the season. So I agree with you that Fetty's the hot hand, but. Because he's the high hand, I think he might actually be better suited for another long reliever role. Like, And he has worked on his pitches. He said something recently that two to three years ago, Max uh, Scherzer taught him his cutter, right? Mm -hmm. And Fetty says it takes two to three years to learn a pitch. And he's finally, like, owning it. Coincidentally, his strikeout numbers are through the roof. And his cutter usage is up a lot. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he has been excelling with that pitch. And then in that last start uh, against Arizona on the 16th, seven shutout innings. He only had four Ks, but like the month before in April, he had a 7K game, a 5K game, a 9K game. And it's coming from the guy, Eric Fetty, who before you would be happy if you got three strikeouts in five innings. He doesn't strike people out. Now his strikeout numbers are through the roof for him. Like, well, and the big thing is they, they needed all seven of those innings, you mm-hmm. know, because that was a zero zero game until the Adiel Hernandez at the pitch hit home run. Right. And, and to your yeah. point, the cutter usage now is at, is at about 26%. So that's where he's at the cutter usage. It's his second most used pitch. So that is, you know, I, that's a, it's a great point. It's an absolutely great point about how much using that. 
Uh, all right, Max, appreciate your time. Appreciate always breaking it down. Where can people find you and your work? So check us out at Dish on Deck on Twitter. Check me out, Max Raymond One. Uh, we have, uh, I'm about to start dropping some draft pieces because even though the draft's in July, I'm going to start diving into some prospects to look at. So if you want to look at some guys that you know that might be around, come pick 11, come check it out. All right, awesome stuff. Max Raymond, District on Deck, appreciate your time. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.